The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Good to have you this morning as we are uh, worshiping together. That song, Behold Our God, is a, a blessed song. Uh, brothers, it's already been 10 years since that song came out. We're just that much older as it is. But it's good to have you this morning. If you're watching on Facebook Live, it's good to have you as well. If you're in the parking lot or if you're here together, guys, thank you so much. So we come to gather this morning. We just want to praise God for His excellency during all times. And I kid you not. Uh, as I was preparing the sermon, just thinking about how many times during this COVID time I've been ungrateful and unthankful and haven't praised God. I mean, maybe you've been there too. You know, God, if you just get rid of this or get rid of that, life would be a bunch better, wouldn't it? Lord, if you just let us get back to normal. And uh, I said it at the opening, I'll say it again. And the Lord just struck me and said, Darren, that's a, that's a lack of faith, right? Isn't that what First Thessalonians says? To always be thankful, always be thankful. We teach our kids that, but it's often hard to do that. We have been so blessed at this church, guys. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving and serving and praying and just being available to do God's work. Thank you so much. As we get ready to pray, uh, after we pray, I'm going to, uh, Pastor Nelson has been pulling out what hair remains, as he would say, uh, to get Facebook Live to work. So after we pray, if you give me about 30 seconds, we're going to put it up on the website. And only I have access to do that so our folks at home can join with us as they do. But let's pray together and we'll get started as we go through the Psalms praying today for a prayer of thankfulness. Father, thank you so much. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, that you do tell us to always be thankful. Father, we know that in the history of our nation and many other nations today that the, the holiday season kicks off with thanksgiving, and we, we, we lament every year, Lord, that we wish we did this more often. We wish we would spend time, literally, as the old song and our uh, family members would tell us, to count our blessings. Lord, you've given us so much. Father, but yet it's so easy, especially during a pandemic, when things are just different, when the politics are out of control on both sides of the table, when things, uh, churches aren't operating the way, quote unquote, they're, they're used to or supposed to, when, when families can't gather the way they would like, when businesses aren't being occupied the way that we'd like them to see. Father, there's so many things, and we could run a list of, of things that if we could be in charge, Lord, we would change. Yet, Lord, you're in charge. We're not. You're the sovereign one. We're the worm in this situation. You're the thrice holy God, and we're the unholy ones. Yet, by your grace, through your Son, by faith alone in Him, you've allowed us to come through to your presence. Father, how grateful we are that in Christ we have all things for life and godliness and eternal life and for all things to be able to live through this world. So, Father, in this season, would you protect us as we get ready to study Psalm 150? Father, uh, from, from the pessimistic attitudes that can be around these times, to be the big billy goat gruff, so to speak, in these things, to be the one that is always complaining, the one that's always seeing the downside of things. And Father, naturally, I, I tend that way. I know many in this room and the, and the sound of my voice do. But Father, guard our hearts, even if it's the simple things like, hey, there's a warm, sunny day today. Lord, may it be praise that leads us to the greatest praise, which is salvation in your name. Guard our church against unthankfulness. And Father, guard our hearts against unthankfulness. Things could be a lot worse. 
But Father, wherever you call us, you're always with us. Your presence never leaves us nor forsakes us. What else could we want? Lord, as we look at what it means to guard that attitude today through Psalm 150, be lifted high, be glorified. We thank you once again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I'm going to invite your attention to Psalm 150 this morning. Psalm 150. And I'm going to, uh, this, is, uh, this is called uh, hashtag small church problems where uh, we, uh, we do things on the fly while preaching a sermon. We're putting things on the website. We're in Psalm 150 this morning. And I want you to know, uh, as I'll give you some infomercials while we're going through this. Uh, next week, uh, I, I hesitate to say this, not because you all won't come anyway. Next week, my friend Brian Peters, Reverend Brian Peters, is going to be preaching for us. That's a long due uh, scheduling. But I want you to be here because he, he comes from a church tradition where they sing the Psalms. They sing songs. Yes, he's been here before. He sings the songs. And so next week, we are going to have Brian preach for us. He will be outside preaching, but he's, he has prepared, he's working with Pastor Craig, uh, to sing through Psalm 22. He's literally going to have us sing through the songs. That sounds funny, doesn't it? But these are songs, aren't they? These are things we're supposed to sing, but these are also things that he tells us uh, to do. So let me paste this in here and I'll save it and I will be done with the techie stuff as we do. Save and we're done. Thank you. But next week, Brian Peters will be here and I appreciate your attendance as he comes. You've heard him preach, some of you before. It's been about three and a half years. He serves a smaller church in Indiana. Uh, his his uh, mother, or excuse me, his father-in-law passed away a couple weeks ago. They're coming through southwest Missouri, back through Kansas City, back home, and the opportunity came to preach, so we're here. All right, you've got Psalm 150. Thank you for your patience. There are two farmers. You ready for this? There are two farmers. One was optimistic and one was pessimistic. You choose which one you are in this story. The optimist would always exclaim, wonderful sunshine. The pessimist would always respond, I think that sun is going to scorch your crops, farmer. The optimist would say, look at this great rain. And the pessimist would come back and say, I'm afraid it's going to turn into a flood. One day the optimist said to the pessimist, he said, have you seen my new hunting dog? He's really something. And the pessimist said, as only the pessimist could, he said, you mean that mutt pinned up behind your house? He don't look like much to me, sir. And the optimist said, okay, let's go hunting and see how good he is. So they go out and they shoot some ducks. Some of y'all like hunting. John Higgins, I'm looking at you. You're a resident hunter. And the ducks land in the pond. This isn't duck hunt like the Nintendo game, guys. This is real duck hunting. The optimist ordered his dog to go get the ducks, and the dog obediently responded. But instead of swimming after the ducks, the dog walked on top of the water, Jesus style, retrieved the ducks, and walked back on top of the water. And the optimist was beaming from ear to ear, and he said, well, now what do you think, my dog? He can walk on water like our Savior did. And the pessimist replied, he can't swim, can he? <laughs> Guys, it doesn't matter with some people what you show them, how you bring it about. They're always going to have an attitude of, it doesn't matter what you show me. It can't get any worse than what it is, or it could. And have you ever been around someone like that? Maybe you are that person. That person drives you nuts because everything they say is negative, And it doesn't matter. They're negative Nelly. The glass is always half full or half empty, not half full. And if you point out something that's working, they'll point out 47 reasons why it doesn't. Now, none of you are like that in here, I know. But the Bible tells us to rejoice always in the Lord. Rejoice. Again, I say what? Rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. And what marks a Christian different in this world is your ability to take the situation that you're in and not let it define who you are and how you respond. A new heart created by the Holy Spirit will always rejoice more than it will denounce. 
But that never happens in churches, does it? Churches are known for being a cesspool, and word intended, for unthankfulness, ungratefulness that turns into gossip and viciousness, doesn't it? We've all been there. We all make daily sacrifices to whatever or whoever rules our hearts, and churches are not escaping from that. So this morning, as we look at this, how can we as a church, how can we as individuals praise the Lord as we will sing and and look at today? How can we do that in times and places? Why should we do that? How should we do that to protect ourselves? I think that's the point of the psalm this morning, because the big idea is simply this. Where God is at the center of things, worship always follows. Where God is in the middle, worship always is the outflow. And the biblical solution to pessimism, to a negative attitude in thinking, is to be God-centered in our thinking, even in COVID times. To be God-centered, though, does not mean that you do what most people do and put on rosy-colored glasses. You ever met one of those super Christians before? Like, nothing can faze them. But dude, you just got shot in the leg for Jesus. Praise Jesus! Woo! You know, that, that, that's just how they are. And look, it doesn't mean... If you're going to follow what we're talking about today, keeping God the center of all things, worship follows, that you're always going to be happy-go-lucky. But it does mean that your heart should be ready to praise even in situations that are not praiseworthy from a human standpoint. In Psalm 150, we'll see four ways God brings about this praise. He establishes it. He's going to tell us the parcel of worship. He's going to tell us the where to worship. He's going to tell us the point of worship, the why the process and the how, and the partakers and the who. Everything is to praise the Lord. So this morning, you have Psalm 150 with you. Why don't you read that or grab that with you? This is the last psalm. We, we just finished a little study in our church, our church, our little uh, devotion at home. We don't have a church at home. A little devotion with our kids. And, and Scarlett said, well, is there like a Psalm 1 billion, Dad? And it's like, well, probably, but we don't have it in our Bibles, right? But this is it, Psalm 150, the end of the psalms. Not the end of our summer of psalms, but the last psalm. Here it is. Familiar words to you. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in, his, in the heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and praise him with dance. Praise him with sounding cymbals, verse 5. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Church, I want to submit to you this morning. That as you go through this COVID time, the greatest witness you may have is what this verse talks about. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you you doing what this verse says? Are you praising the Lord even when everything else in this world? Look, turn off your TV for a night and write down everything God has done for you in the last week. I guarantee you'll sleep better at night. Because guess what? That TV is going to drive you nuts after a while. Is it Trump? Is it Pence? Is it COVID? Is it sports? Is it this? Is it schools? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? I have no idea. But I pray for your ear for 25 minutes that we praise the Lord together and we learn, relearn what it means to guard our hearts with praise. Will you join me in prayer as we open up this morning? Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, we just want to say thank you so much for this time. Father, in this world that is so topsy-turvy, that is so, dare I say it, negative, and Father, this isn't a power of positive thinking, this isn't some... Uh, you know, trying to get people to think a right way, to live a right way, although the Bible does say to take hold every thought captive. But Lord, this is a, a, a supernatural gift that you have given all Christians, that despite what is ahead, despite what is around, that our eyes are not looking to the hills, they're looking above to the one who's given his life for us and who guards our lives. So Father, as a psalmist praised you, 
Would you give us wisdom to learn, to relearn, to reapply what it means to praise you and what that means for our lives today? Thank you for this sweet crew. We pray for all those watching, especially those without Christ, that they may come to know the truth of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, this psalm was written at the very end. It's probably penned by David, but whoever wrote it, what we know is this, is that he loved to praise the Lord and praise the Lord. And the first way he praises the Lord is he tells us where the parcel of worship or the, or the place of worship should be. Did you notice that in verse 1? He tells you, first off, God establishes the parcel of worship, the where, in the sanctuary. He says, praise the Lord, praise God in the heavens, praise him in his mighty heavens. Now, this word sanctuary, we don't use that word a lot anymore. We even refer to our space as the welcome center, the overflow. You know, this is the meeting place. But it refers to the place where God dwelt. It was the holy place. And the Jews viewed the temple as the earthly place of God, his sanctuary. And the psalm commanded God to be worshipped in his sanctuary. But you notice also in verse 1, he tells you where to worship. He says to worship God in his mighty heavens. That should ring true for you from Genesis 1. Do you remember that? On the second day of creation, God separated the waters above the earth from the waters below the earth. And in Genesis, on the fourth day, God placed the lights in the heavens. Pastor Nelson talked about this a little bit in his study of Isaiah this morning. The heavens and the expanse are where the sun and moon dwell. And Psalm 150 says that God is to be worshipped in his mighty heavens as well as his sanctuary. Now you may be thinking, so Darren, I don't need to go to church, right? I can just go out on the golf course on a Sunday morning and I can worship God wherever I am. Ooh, hold that thought because we will get there. Hold that thought. These two poetic phrases, the sanctuary and the heavens, teach us that God is to be worshipped literally wherever you are. God is to be praised everywhere. There is nowhere that God cannot be praised. You can even praise God in the worst restaurant you've ever eaten at if you dare go out to a restaurant these days because God is worthy to be praised. And that's what we know. Wherever you are, you praise the Lord. I mean, isn't this what Jesus told the woman at the well? Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4. You remember the story? The woman said, well, we are, the Samaritans can't, we worship over here and, and you worship over there. And Jesus told her this. He said, we worship what? We, that if you worship, you are to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not a mystical interlude of some special place, but it is something that we are told to worship in the sanctuary and under the heavens. But the point is this, wherever you are, praise the Lord, wherever you are. Now, this is where it gets really convoluted because some people will, will say, well, well, they'll say this, well, pastor, let's give some examples from the Bible. I mean, do we really need to worship in church? Or do we really have to have a body of believers to worship? Because pastor, here's some examples. I mean, didn't Noah worship in an ark? Didn't Abraham worship on a mountain? Didn't Moses worship in the backside of a desert? Didn't Job worship in a heap of ashes and David in a cave and Solomon in a temple and Daniel in a den of lions and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in some fire? I mean, Jonah worshiped God in the belly of a fish. John worshiped in a deserted island. Pastor, why in the world do we have to worship at a church? Friends, Psalm 150 is not giving you an excuse to play Lone Ranger Christian in these days. If you're watching, especially online this morning, we are so grateful you're joining us, and our church folks know this well. A church is a place where God calls you to fellowship. We know we have people at home, and we understand that graceful dynamic that there's a time and a place where for a season we may need to be separated, and we understand that dynamic. 
But this psalm is not, a, is not a free pass to church hop. It's not a free pass to be wherever you want to be. It's not a free pass to say, Jesus and me got our own thing going. Let me just go worship over here. If you are a Christian, you need to be a member of that church and a faithful one at that because that's what God has called you to do. The Bible knows nothing else. So can you praise God wherever you go? Yeah, you can. You can. Brother Higgins, I'm picking on you as I'm inside. I don't usually see your face when I'm preaching outside. John tells me stories about being up in a, in a tree stand, or a tree stand, a deer stand. And one of the best times of his year usually is when he goes in November to go hunting. He loves that time. He gets to praise God all day. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. Can I praise God when I go run for two hours? Yes. Sometimes I thank God that I just make it back home alive, and that's just how it is. <laughs> You can praise God wherever you are, but if you are a Christian, you assemble as often and regularly and intentionally as you can. The church is not like a buffet at Golden Corral. It's not, give me a little of this, give me a little of that. And that's the problem, guys. I'm going to stretch out a minute for just a minute because it needs to be said. That is the danger of this COVID time, is that we can make church a smorgasbord, a buffet of whatever we want to. Well, I like this person's preaching. I like this person's songs, and boy, that, that guy reads the scripture really well. I'm just going to have my own church service right here. Be very, very careful. A church is called to be comprised by leaders who are called of God, 1 Timothy 3, and by people of God who assemble together. Look, right now we know some people are online, and we're okay with that. Some people are outside, we're okay with that. Some people are inside, we're okay with that. The problem becomes when you take what the psalmist says and you praise God everywhere and you use that as an excuse never to be around other Christians. That's where the problem comes. Over one-third of people who are watching church online since COVID started have stopped watching church online. Do you know attendance across the board has declined? Remember that big outcry five months ago? Open our churches, open our churches, open our churches. The churches are open. Where are the people? even online. Friend, he tells us where to worship him. It's everywhere. But Christian, don't use it as an excuse not to be around other Christians. Second point is this. God not only establishes the where, he also establishes the point of worship. Look at verse 2. He tells us this. He says the where to worship. Now he tells us the why. He says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. The verse reminds us of the primary reason that we worship. Do you know why you're here today? Because God is worthy to be worshiped, didn't he? Isn't that great? God is worthy to be worshipped. That's why we praise Him. We don't praise Him because we have to, you ought to, you ought to. You praise Him because He's worthy. Guys, why do you buy flowers for your wife? Because she's worthy, isn't she? She married you after all. She married me, amen? And that's why you do it, because she's worthy. Wives, why do you love those husbands? Because they're worthy? Probably not, because you love them anyway. <laughs> All the guys are giving me evil stares right now, but you get the point. You don't do something because you have to. You do it because you want to. God deserves our praise because what he has done. He says, first, praise him for his mighty deeds. The fact that he hangs the sun and moon and stars demonstrate how glorious he is. And this is what he tells us. He says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him. And the mighty acts of God call us to give genuine and grateful praise. We should praise him for what he has done. And the Old Testament Jews would see this immediately as a callback to Exodus when they were taken out. And that is true. But we see it differently now because we see it through the New Testament eyes, through Christ. We, when we read of the mighty acts, the mighty deeds of God, we immediately should think of the virgin birth. That Jesus was born as a human without stain of sin. 
of the victorious life, the virtuous life, that he lived a perfect life and he did not sin. That there was vicarious death. That when Jesus died, he took your place. He took my place on that cross. And there was a victorious resurrection. That when Jesus came back from the grave, it was the absolute truth that it happened. And someday there's going to be a visible return. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses with, with respect to their beliefs. That Jesus is physically, bodily, literally going to come back out of the heavens to do that. And not only that, we worship him because he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He deserves that worship. We praise God for what he has done and who he is. I mean, think about it. Just before God, with all our sin, by faith, we can stand in him. We praise him for his mighty acts. But we also praise him there in verse 2 because of who he is. We praise him because of who he is. Did you see that? We praise him for his excellent greatness. This refers to his nature, his person, and his character. God deserves to be praised just because he is God. That's it. You know, Pastor Nelson, I'm going to steal one out of your playbooks. We were listening to you at home through Isaiah. Pastor Nelson brought up a very interesting point. That people in the days of the Old Testament would worship just to worship. They would grab the book of, of whatever words needed to be read, and they would read the book back to the gods. It didn't matter what they did. It didn't matter what they came in like. As long as they said the right words, they were A-OK. -okay. That's not how our God works. God is worthy of worship because he alone is God, and he searches your heart. If you praise God for all sorts of things, but your heart with your lips, but your heart is far from Him, then you're not praising Him appropriately. Our God sees all things. Our kids are learning that at home. We, our, uh, Seth, our youngest, uh, the other day, we, he says, Does God see me when I sleep? Yes, He does. Does God see me when I play? Yes, He does. Does God see me when I eat? Seth likes to eat, you know that. And yes, He does. And you just could have seen the mind blown. Real God. God is worthy to be praised for who he is. The bottom line is God is great, guys, and praise him according to his excellent greatness. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. When you think about God, what is it? But the sad indictment of many of us today is that we celebrate the greatness of God on days like this, but we live every day as if life is greater than God. But God receives the highest praise when we live our lives and walk in a way that magnifies Him. Let's just put this out there. I don't know what problems you have. God is greater than your sickness. God is greater than your enemies. God is greater than your problems. God is greater than COVID, coronavirus, 19, and whatever other viruses are going to spawn off that nasty bunch of stuff when it goes away. God is greater, and He's worthy to be praised. Don't let your TV, your media, your social posts take away the fact that God is worthy to be praised, church. He is. Can I encourage you to throw your TV out just right now for at least the next three months? Throw it away. You don't need to hear why this candidate's better than that candidate. And this candidate, you need to hear that God is great and he's worthy of your praise. Turn it off. Because it's sucking your life. If you get more excited about what is going to happen on November 4th and you get excited about what God did for you in Jesus Christ, you need to check your heart at the door. God is greater than the White House, isn't he? He's greater than anything. Christian, I see it all the time. You go through Facebook and you look at people's posts and they are so sad. They're mad. I can't believe this person posted that. Then turn off your Facebook. 
Get in your Bible and look at what God did for you in Jesus Christ. He's worthy to be praised. Amen? And guys, I've, get, I've stepped in the political arena the last two weeks. I am not telling you not to vote. I'm not telling you not to be a responsible citizen. I'm just trying to keep your focus where it should be. And that is on the God above all gods. Because guess what? Trump's going to die someday. Guess what? Biden's going to die someday. Guess what? Harris is going to die someday. Guess what? Pence is going to die someday. And they'll just be filled with all these other people. God is worthy to be praised. He tells you where to worship him everywhere. He tells you why to worship him because his mighty deeds and excellent things. And now he's going to tell you how to worship him. I hope you got all these at home. You ready? You got the list ready? Some of y'all need to go buy these instruments because here it comes. He tells you how. Verse 1 tells you where to worship God. 2, why. Verses 3 to 5. Let's read it together. God tells us how to worship him. He says, praise the Lord with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine, O Baptist, and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. God in this verse, in verses 3 to 5, is establishing the process, the how of worship. But the main thing is, did you notice that repeated phrase? It is what? You praise him. You praise him. Now I'm reminded how our thoughts about worship can be so easily distracted by these things. And we can be irreverent, we can be man-centered, narcissistic even, unbiblical, and frankly outright sinful sometimes. But genuine worship always seeks to exalt God, not to satisfy our needs, our tastes, our preferences, or our agenda. And I referenced this at the beginning. Tina, you remember these days, there were churches fighting over whether they should have a PowerPoint behind them, whether they should have a hymnal, whether they should have these things. Guys, we can do it all and still worship the Lord. I don't see anything here excluding those things. Do you? Every aspect of our worship has one goal. Do you know what that is? It is to praise and uplift God. That's it. If your worship becomes anything else, that's what it has become. I am so grateful. This last couple weeks, I sent this to our staff. You know, some churches clean the church different ways after Sundays. I'm so glad some churches have realized that those fog machines they play during worship have a use, finally, in their worship. <laughs> they actually plug them in, and they spray out all sorts of fog so they can disinfect the sanctuary instead of worrying about fogging up the worship time during that time. Fog machines actually have a good use now. We get so easily distracted, don't we? Look, God orders the process of worship. He says he likes to be praised with music. God likes orchestra music. God likes instru instrumental music. God likes vocal music. God likes music that no one can stand to hear, sung except yourself in the shower to yourself, to God. God likes loud music. God likes energetic music. Dare I even say it in a normal, traditional Southern Baptist church? God loves rap music. And Jesse in the other room said amen because he can rap. And Jesse, you need to get up here someday, brother, because you can rap to the glory of God. Amen? God loves country music as long... God doesn't care the beats of the music as much as he cares about the heart behind the music. God likes music. Did you get that? I don't believe that's the lesson of the text. I think the lesson of the text is this. Don't let anyone bluff you. God does. There are some types of music you could argue God does not like. We'll chase that another day. I think the point of it is this. Is that no matter how you're worshiping God, give God everything you are. Give him everything. If he is worthy to be praised wherever you are, if he's worthy to be praised with his excellent deeds and mighty acts, then whatever you do, make sure your worship honors God. 
And if our brother pastor who leads us in worship, Brother Craig, could get up here, he could tell you so many times when churches are about a show and churches are about raising their own roof than raising the praises of God. And that's not biblical. Church, be careful. You can't get distracted in worship with the commanding sounds of a trumpet shouting at you. You can't play the harp with indifference up there. You can't get bored in worship with string instruments and all sorts of capturing every note. And you certainly can't go to sleep with someone clashing those loud cymbals, can you? So God lists these things, but he should, we should praise him by all means. It's not a prescriptive list or, de- or this is how you have to do it. It's this, is that your voices, your talents, your emotions, and your will have one purpose, and that is to praise Him. So whether you can play these things, whether you can do these things, it doesn't matter. The question is, is are you willing to do these things? Friend, there are so many things in our churches today where we get off track with this stuff. When we see those who love Jesus and express devotion to Him, The world doesn't think it's a waste to get excited about music or money or cars or houses or or even the American flag. But if you get excited about Jesus, someone's going to look at you and say, what a waste. What a waste of time. What a waste of your day. But I love how Jesus responds. You remember that story in Mark where that woman comes up with that perfume bottle? You remember that story? And it took a year to get the perfume, 365 denarii to get the perfume, and she breaks it open, and what does she do, do with it, does with it? She puts it on Jesus. And they say, man, what a waste. That could have been given to the poor. Well, you remember what Jesus said? Leave her alone. She's done good work for me. Christian, the world may look at you when you are praising God in a way at your house, in your office, in your virtual world right now, and they may look and say, that's really weird. You must be one of those zealots. Okay, it's not a waste. Because guess what? That's what you're going to be doing for all eternity. Amen? Dawn, you used to dance many years ago. I won't say which Dawn it is. Talking, I know. Dawn could split a rug with the best of them from what I understand. Dawn, someday in heaven, if the Baptist church doesn't lie, we're all going to be dancing in heaven. You can mark my words. We sure will. Because we will have one reason. Because he's worthy of our praise, isn't he? He's worthy to be praised. If God is your Father and Jesus is your Lord and the Spirit is your God, then you pour on the praise because God is there. Christian, I just ask you, you just take an evening out this week just to literally sit with your family, with each other, and write down what you can praise God for. You might be surprised about what you've forgotten even this last week. All right. God's given us the the where, the sanctuary, the parcel, the point. He's mighty. That's the why. He's established the process of praise. And finally, who are to be the partakers of worship? Who are they here in the last verse? What does he say? He says everything, right? Look at verse 6. God tells us who should worship, worship him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This really throws a monkey wrench in, doesn't it? And to a lot of us who don't like to sing songs out loud at church, right? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is a liberal policy for choir membership, and it makes sense. After all, everything has breath is to praise the Lord. And this is what Jesus would have said when, uh, this is kind of like what was said of Jesus, rather, when he came in to the triumphal entry. Do you remember? All the people came out and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. And people who never sang the praises of Jesus all of a sudden did. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But he told 
the crowds. He said, even if you were silent, you remember this? The rocks will cry out for me. It's fitting that God would be praised by everything. Here's the point. God, the creator and ruler of the world, deserves the praises of everything and everyone. God's glory fills the universe, so his praise should do no less. Every living thing should worship him. And it's not just confined to a worship service, although God calls us to assemble. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We should fill the whole world with praise. You don't need a big house. You don't need a big boat. You don't need to have car or clothes that make you rich and famous or a good life to praise God. If you are breathing, you have enough reason to praise God. Amen? This is a very simple lesson. I know this. This isn't shattering the depths of your theological knowledge today. But sometimes, even in the midst of our greatest pursuits, we forget the basic lessons, don't we? The fact that you're still here means that God needs to be praised. Church, you pray that God guards your heart this week from everything that would take you away from praising Him. I hate being sick, don't you? I hate being weak. I hate not being able to do the things I like to do. Some of you know that on a daily basis more than we'll ever know because you, you hide it so well because the pain is so severe. We can still praise the Lord together. Church, there's a lot of things we'd like to see. We, we had plans to do a lot of great things in our church and a lot of great things to, to go full speed ahead. And, and there are days I've looked, sat in my office in there and, I, and I, 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 Nelson hasn't heard me, Judy's not heard me, but I've yelled out, Lord, why? Why did you bring this? In my human planning frustration, I got mad. But this psalm brings us back to reality, doesn't it? Doesn't mean we don't plan. Doesn't mean we don't pray. Doesn't mean we don't do any of those things. But through it all, Lord, whatever you got, whatever you bring, whatever you got in the hopper for me, Lord, I praise you. Lord, even if it's sickness, Lord, even if it's not what I want, I still praise you because you are God. And mostly you've given me your son, Jesus Christ. I don't know where this country is going to go in the next two years, guys. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to our freedom to assemble. I don't know what's going to happen to our freedom to worship. I don't know. But I know this. One thing they can never take away from us, no matter what happens in the years ahead, even if it's centuries ahead, is that we can praise God wherever we are. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christian, has your attitude through this COVID time become more bitter because of things that are not? Or has it become more better because of the things God has brought. You think about that. If you're watching today or if you're listening to my voice and you don't know Jesus Christ, we pray that you would come to know that truth, that there is one Savior, there is one Lord. His name is Jesus. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the biggest praise we have is that Jesus died in your place. If you'll but repent and turn to him. Christian, thank God today that you're saved. And if things don't go right the way you want them to in this church, if we make decisions that you would disagree with, okay. We can each give each other a social distance high five and hug, right? But at the end of the day, we have one purpose, and that is to praise the Lord. Let's pray together as we close. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Father, you've told us the where to worship, the how to worship, the why to worship, and the who is to worship everyone. Father, this is not earth-shattering as we said. These are truths we know, most of us in this room, maybe those watching online. But Father, no matter what befalls us, the Psalms tell us to praise you. So Father, we do. 
Father, I want to thank you with some specific things for our church. I want to thank you, Father, that we have uh, the ability to assemble live right now on Facebook for some at home, for those in our parking lot, those inside. We thank you for that ability. We thank you that we have the freedom to gather. Yes, Lord, with some precautions, rightfully so, in their place. We thank you we have the place to gather. Father, we thank you that we have your word, that your word has been given to us and how much we neglected at home and in our studies. And uh, Father, we praise you for that. We praise you, Lord, for fellowship that we have at our church. We thank you so much, Lord, that even in times of social distancing and other requirements or suggestions to us, Lord, we, we have the ability to fellowship and we've seen things grow stronger. Father, we thank you that we have this, this church here on a hill that someday, Father, you will use it continually and are using it continually to reach people. Father, thank you so much. Father, we thank you for the sweet people of our church who give so faithfully, who, who serve so willingly and sacrificially. We love you for that, Lord, and we know you're working through them. There's so many things to praise you for, Lord. Thank you for working through health issues this week and relationships within our church, Lord, and, and things that will never make the news or Facebook Live or whatever it is, but that you have been working through. We thank you for our, 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 our leaders of our church. I especially want to thank you for Brother Craig, who leads us in our praise team behind us, who do such a smash-up job by your grace each week. I want to thank you for our sound crew, Brennan and Nelson and others who help keep these things going so we can do this. I want to thank you for our greeters and our, our children's workers, Lord, our deacons and, and, and so many others, and Judy in the office who keeps things rolling administratively through the week. There's so many people, Dawn who mows the lawn, you know, can list name and name, our finance team. Father, thank you for these people, our busy hands, Lord, so many people. But Father, we come together to do those things for one reason, that's to praise you. So Lord, this week, may whatever we do, however we do it, may it be about the glory of God. Those aren't just church pastor words. That's the prayer of our hearts this morning. Father, thank you for your son. As we close in our last song, Father, we praise you. We pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen.